Yes Have Some Podcast is brought to you by Carnivorous Creations, your one-stop shop for all of your proton pack building needs. If you're in the market for a proton pack, head to carnivoruscreations.com. That's carnivorous with a K. You're going to find aluminum motherboards, resin parts, fiberglass shells, and a whole lot more. Find them on Facebook at Carnivorous Creations or head straight to carnivoruscreations.com. Remember carnivorous with a K and get started on an authentic screen accurate proton pack. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. I don't want to grow up. Fine. You want some? Jurassic Park. Now playing the PSM. Echo goggles with Echo Bomber. Neutron blaster and water zapper. Each sold separately. From the corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Star Killer Base, this is Yes Have Some Podcast. Do I? Yes Have Some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi mask. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast, episode 111. That's 111 for you. My name's Craig Goldberg. I am here. Wait a minute. Why did I just explain the numbers? That's a 111 <laughs> for those of you who just don't know sure. what. Just got to make sure. Just got to make sure. That looks like. Hey, some, what, if, what if they thought it was different? What if they thought I didn't know what I was saying? What if they thought I counted like 108, 109, 110, 111, <laughs> 112? Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, Jacob Walsh, how are you, ma'am? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. Um, we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing the intro to our episode after the episode. Mm-hmm. This oh, is we're, very te- we're, te- we're just going to tell them. So now, so now they know that we're acting like we didn't already do this interview. It's like having dessert first. Yeah, we're, we're eating dessert before the dinner. I'm actually eating a crunch bar, so I am. Why are you eating a crunch bar? Because we earned it. We did um, in a couple of minutes. We are going to be playing for you the interview that we just did with Ghostbusters daughter, author, Violet Ramis Steele. Obviously, Violet is the daughter of Harold Ramis. She wrote this book about her life uh, and her dad. And we sat down for almost an hour and we had a really, really awesome conversation with her. I'm really excited for everybody to uh, check it out. Abby, did you enjoy the conversation? Yeah, I absolutely did. This book, um, I was shook while I was reading it. It definitely got me. Um, The relationship with her dad, like, it was very, very touching. A lot of inspirational stuff. And I was really looking forward to talking to her tonight after finishing the book. So I recommend everyone out there read it. And yeah, Yeah. here it is. Um, Before we get going on that, a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. We... Yes, have some podcasts launched. We keep launching things. Every week we're well, launching something. <laughs> yeah. This week. It's fun. It we're out fun. there. We launched the um, mm-hmm. we launched the Yes Have Some Club. It's a brand new free membership club for YHS Podcast. We have physical, get them in the mail, hold them, loud and proud, display them, member ID cards. Yeah. Actual physical contact. Whoa. Did you see it? Yeah, God, I love Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's I good, feel like right? Watching it. It's so like I wasn't sure up until recently, but I think it's very good. I think I like <laughs> it now. <laughs> um, no, so we we launched this the YHS Members Club, and what it is is uh, it's a way for us to connect with our audience. It's completely separate from Patreon, and what you do is we have the link on Facebook, on Instagram. You sign up, you give us your name, your address, and you get in the mail a brand new. Spanking new, I should say, member ID card. Spanking mm-hmm. new, brand, brand spanking. spanking new. That's sure. what the phrase is. I feel like Ace Ventura. Anyway, try. Um, so I was kind of overwhelmed. We had a lot of people sign up. We've got a lot of mail to send. Yeah. But if you haven't signed up yet and you do want the member ID card, just go to Facebook.com/slash Yes Have Some Cast, or you can link off our Instagram page at YHS Podcast. You'll find the form. Fill it out, and in a couple days, you'll get it in the mail. Abby. Yes. For somebody who goes, why would I want to be in the Yes Have Some Club? What does that even mean? What What does it mean to you? It means that you get a very cool free card, first of all. <laughs> okay. You also get a handwritten letter by me. Okay. 
and an envelope. Ha- that well, would... hold on, hold on. You get a handwritten typed it's letter. It's a handwritten typed letter. Guys, I typed it on my laptop. With I emailed a... it to Craig. We printed it out at Jake's shop. Maybe it might have come from my mom's church. I don't know. It's come full it's circle. It's coming from somewhere, wherever we can get it. All we're saying is that. Don't you want to go to your mailbox and get it's something mail. from us? Mail. We're sending mail. mail. That's all we're People saying. People don't. People don't send mail that much anymore. You don't like. When's the last time you got mail like from somebody or like that's not yeah. a bill or there something? There wasn't like, that fuck fucking that. package the mail of coupons. Is fun. Hey, make the mail fun again. Make I it good love again. that. Make it great. That's what we're doing. And also, like, who doesn't want? Like, I've I've been guilty of in the past month looking for like old video store rental cards on eBay just because it's cool to have cards. It is yeah. cool. They're just cool. And we're giving them for free. Yeah, so. and yeah. we want you to be a part of the Yes Halfson Club, and this is why. Because we're looking for like-minded individuals, not politically like-minded, although I did want to ask Violet what she thinks Harold would think of the current political climate in our country, but I didn't mm. get to it. Maybe next time. Next time. But Only politics. Tomorrow. Next time. And numbers. Politics and numbers. Um, one, one, one. If you are a toy collector, okay? If you're the kind of person who sometimes uh, buys brand new NECA figures instead of paying your cell phone bill. Mm. If you're the kind of person who wishes like... Hey, that's a good line. There was uh, VHS Steelbooks. Oh, wow. You know, like... If my, my, my. If, 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 if you like Jurassic Park, if you like Ghostbusters, if you like Star Wars, if you're into what we're into, we want you to be part of the club and we want to send you this free card just because like... If I was into a podcast that was like us, I would want a free card from them, but I couldn't find yeah. anyone to do it. So we I just, just like being part of a club. Yeah, we want everybody. And it's a fun... Listen, we, we've been getting some it's good nostalgic. messages. nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It makes it me is. feel like I'm back in like the Nickelodeon club or, yeah. or yes. the old like National Geographic where you used to get the... Were you guys ever part of that club where... Every month they would send you a card yeah. with like animal what? facts on it, and you had like a file to put it in. Just that's what we should do. We I, should make yes, one of I'm those. I'm retroactively mad at my parents for not getting that. I'm I mad at them too. Magazine. Different reasons. Yeah. I am mad at everybody's parents on this podcast, <laughs> especially mine. Um, I really like that we're doing this. I'm really excited for people to get these cards. Here's the thing when you get the card in the mail, what we want you to do is don't lose it for one thing don't Sign lose it because the second one's not free yeah the second one's cost you it's nine. numbered so you're going to want to keep yeah the, you want to it's a hand yeah. numbered card by the way everyone listening it's is handcrafted. hey by the way we're all hyped up after this interview <laughs> everybody listening right now is like we don't know what the fuck you're talking Even, about I just had so much chocolate <laughs> so what I'm celebrate. saying is this you get the card it's hand numbered you sign it you date it you can laminate it if you want but you don't have to pop it in your wallet but before you do that we want you to take a picture, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, tag us, use the hashtag YHS podcast and show us, be fun, do be your creative, thing. do your thing. We're going to pick our favorites. We're going to be sending you t-shirts, coffee mugs. We're going to pick a couple winners every month and we just want to have fun with it. We want to spread the word yeah. and we want YHS to be like, we want people to go to toy stores and be like, Proud. Oh, you guys know you, you don't know yes have some podcast? Yeah. We want you to make <laughs> fun of people. We want you card. to talk the toys. We want you to cut promos. Yeah. We want yeah. you to go to Toys R Us, a closed one. Film yourself cutting a promo on with the card. <laughs> hey yo. Uh no, we, we want this to be like a fun thing and we want we, we're really excited to send these out. So um for the first round of people that signed up, you'll be getting them within a week and we're very stoked about it um and yeah that's it we still got patreon going on we've been talking about it a lot i'm not going to burn everybody's ears off but if you want to be a patreon subscriber contributor for yes have some it's patreon.com slash yes have some and you get all the details there we've got our first yhs vhs box going out next week you think you like these cards yeah guys i mean if you want to hear us talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Three, Ooh. and for possibly like an, for worse hour, movies. The only way you can do that is through Patreon. It's yeah. through Patreon. Um, so listen, we've got the Violet Ramos Steel interview coming up. We've got the YHS members cards going out. We've got Patreon happening. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. Dragon Con. Oh, we got Dragon Con coming up. I cannot keep up with the amount of things we have happening, but I'm excited. 
You know, I'm not excited. You know, you know what I am, guys? Hmm. I'm stressed as fuck. I am stressed. stressed out. Jesus Christ. God. Um, well, listen, anything else before we uh, get to the interview? No, let's just do it. Let's just get to this interview. All right. Well, coming up right now is the Yes Have Some exclusive interview with Violet Ramis Steele. Her book, Ghostbusters Daughter, is available right now in stores on Amazon. And also, she is on the board of trustees of the National Comedy Comedy Center Center in Jamestown. In Jamestown, New York. And they just did their big grand opening. They've got Harold Ramis's jumpsuit, flight suit uh, from GB1 on display. What? Don't do it. <laughs> Abby's just making fun of me. They've got the uh, they've got the flight suit on display. They did a big grand opening up there, and it basically looks like a big, amazing interactive comedy museum that I cannot personally wait to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I'm ready to get uh, to the interview. Yeah, let's do it. I right, want to cool. think about the interview. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Yes, have some podcasts. We are on the line right now with our very special guest for tonight's episode, author of Ghostbusters Daughter, Violet Ramis Steele. Thank you so much for joining Yes, Have Some Podcast tonight. Yeah, it's great to be here. Ever since your book dropped, actually, before that, um, our listeners uh, have requested uh, you as a guest. Uh, If you're not 100% familiar, we started off as a Ghostbusters podcast uh, essentially, we're all kind of members of the Ghostbusters fan community. We we're we're very involved. Um, so to have you on is obviously a, a very special thing for us. So we really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you. Yeah. And we really enjoyed reading the book too. So yeah, we've is... all read the book. Yeah. So we're we're mm-hmm. we're uh, we're ready to chat with you about it. I guess I don't even know really where to start. I guess I just want to ask you, what has your experience been so far since since putting the book out? I mean, you've been doing some appearances. Uh, you've obviously did some book signings. You've kind of I've seen your name kind of pop up all over the place. Has it been uh, what you expected it to be, being your first book, or anything uh, stands out as kind of a surprise? Um, I mean, the whole thing is is very new for me. Um, even though my dad obviously lived a very public life um i i have not so um putting everything out there has you know has been an experience um but you know the truth is it's all in service of my dad and of sort of preserving and and sharing um these memories with people and so you know that part of it feels great i mean it's bittersweet obviously because I wish he were here to enjoy it, but um, people have been so supportive and wonderful. And so, you know, it's just, it's really been amazing so far. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I personally enjoyed finishing it and was definitely brought to to tears. And it, it was a really emotional experience. I'm, I'm very close with my father and um, I, I really enjoyed the stories that you shared and related very strongly to this. It, it resonated deeply and I mean, I, I always found your father to be a very inspirational person in my life. And, and this book just, it, it really, it got me. It got yeah. me good. So. It, de- it definitely hit home. And like, I think one thing for me that I find interesting <clears throat> that I wanted to ask you about is that uh, from a community perspective, the Ghostbusters community is a, a fan base. Obviously, Ghostbusters has kind of been uh, a big deal for a long time. But the the kind of rabid fan base, the Star Wars-esque, you know, the conventions and, and the the costumes and everything, that's fairly new. And I don't know if that's something that uh, that Harold really had a chance to experience firsthand as far as, you know, people showing up in costumes and building proton packs and all of that. Do, do you think he would have uh, enjoyed that? Because, you know, in the book, he, he kind of had that balance. You kind of portrayed it as definitely very private, but also living in the public eye for a very long time yeah i mean i i I don't think that he knew um at all you know sort of how far-reaching um ghostbusters was in terms of building community like you said um i remember emailing him a picture of of someone's ghostbusters tattoo and he was so shocked (laughs) (laughs) um but now it's like you know it's it's everywhere and um it really seems to have taken hold in this interesting way um separate from the what you call you know rabid fan base but you know this really other beautiful side of it that's come up um you know the more negative 
side of it is, is sort of what pushed me out um, into the world a little bit. Um, I, I wrote an essay um, about the, the new Ghostbusters um, just because, you know, it was it was really sad to hear people even using my dad as an excuse to sort of hate this new idea. And I just felt like that was not something that he um, would have been okay with at all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I am right there with you. Um, actually, the origin of this podcast, obviously, we love the original Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, but when Answer the Call was um, coming out in production, the three of us literally started this podcast because we were excited about that movie and there wasn't a lot of positivity being generated about it. So that's kind of how the conversation started with us. And I personally also wrote a couple things about that movie defending it and felt just as strongly as you're saying you did because... Yeah, there was some really disgusting hate surrounding it that yeah. didn't need to be there. Yeah, I think that stuff gets yeah. really, it gets pushed out, but um, it kind of, especially with the internet, it's on the forefront. But for the most part, um, fan communities in general, but specifically Ghostbusters, and now you're experiencing it firsthand, people are pretty nice and pretty positive, And you kind of have to just take a giant step over some of the... Uh, some of the nasty stuff. <laughs> They're nice in person, but on the internet, they'll say like whatever they want. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. When you mentioned that, that you didn't feel that he really knew how far reaching it was. Um, obviously as a movie, Ghostbusters has kind of been in the, in the cultural um, zeitgeist for a long time. But I guess when you're a creator of something, you know, you hear, you see interviews with people um, from all walks of life, different artists, you know, filmmakers, musicians, what have you, well, well they'll make a piece of art um, and then it kind of exists and then they'll move on to whatever their next project is. And maybe you never actually take a step back to realize like that thing is still there affecting people for a very long time. And there are people who are experiencing watching, you know, Ghostbusters or Vacation or Caddyshack or what have you for the first time or maybe the 100th time and just having the same reaction, um, even if they've seen the movie, you know, over and over. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely got and appreciated how popular it was. Um, you know, I mean, he was involved, you know, he recorded the voice for the video game and mm-hmm. he had worked on a few different ideas for Ghostbusters 3. Um, but I think because it was, you know, sort of just on the verge of the explosion of social media and all this, I just um, don't think he really ever got a chance to understand, you know, the sort of the depth that it really has taken on for people and, you know, the amazing work in terms of, you know, fundraising and charity and community stuff that people are doing, you know, through this lens of Ghostbusters, which is so fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. It definitely binds us together for sure. We're binded. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you want to go into it, but Craig and I um, were married and he proposed to me on um, Valentine's Day, which was a Ghostbusters 2 reference. And then for our wedding, I actually dressed up like Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. So like, it's a very deep part of our life. Yeah. I, yeah. Actually, I had to explain to my hey, mom, but whatever. I just realized that we've taken it too far. <laughs> I now, know, now that you just that, get with you. Does that mean we're like related? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Basically. Um, Violet, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, um, the National Comedy Center just opened up and you're you're on the board there and you were just there for the grand opening and it, it really looked like a hell of a time. Could you uh, talk a little bit about uh, your experience being up there? And um, I guess there's some Ghostbusters props and things on display. Yeah. Um, I, mean, it's, I really highly recommend anyone who can to uh, take a trip out there and see it. Um, I first got involved with them three years ago when they just had the groundbreaking for the, for the center. Um, and you know, the way they explained it to me is that they really wanted to create um, a space to honor the history of comedy and the people who really made it what it is today to include the work that's going on right now and to talk about the future of, of what it can be. Um, and they, they felt like my dad was a really important part of that. And so, of course, I loved that. <laughs> right, um, right. And, you know, they worked with my stepmom, Erica, to figure out, you know, what a, um, an appropriate exhibit would be. And so they have the his original Ghostbusters jumpsuit and, um, you know, some pages from the original script and a couple other things. And, you know, it's just a great 
place um, where you can go and learn and and laugh. I mean, to be in a museum and hear people laughing all over the place is really a unique experience. Um, so this last weekend I was there for the opening and I, the Buffalo Ghostbusters came down and um, came to a talk that I did and then we went and saw the exhibit together and took some pictures and I signed their books and they made me an honorary member of their group and you know it was just this really sort of touching beautiful tribute to to my dad and, and what he meant to people and what he meant to comedy Is that so obviously uh, processing uh, the death of a loved one, let alone your own father, is tough uh, for anybody. You have had a couple of years with that. You've written this book. You've got people probably coming up to you on a regular basis, especially these appearances, um, showing so much love and, and respect to, to your dad. It doesn't get any easier, though, does it? It doesn't, no. I mean, I, I feel like grief is sort of an ongoing process, which I didn't understand maybe right away. I thought, okay, it, you know, it's hard for a while and then it gets better. And I mean, it gets a little better, um, but you just sort of learn to live with it. Um, the thing about the book that's great is that it's, you know, given me a very positive, creative way to think about him and talk about him rather than just talking about how much I miss him all the time. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's bittersweet, obviously, because with all of this going on, I mean, he's the one person that I want to share it with most, and and I can. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think? So obviously, in the book, um, you're very open, very vulnerable. You you, it doesn't feel like you really hold back on any aspect of your life, and. I guess as a writer, for you to to give the honest portrayal of your relationship with your dad and where you are now, you have to dig in deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's what I was thinking. Right. Um, maybe I didn't think it through all the way. <laughs> well, who doesn't? Um, want, who, yeah, I I really appreciated that vulnerability and like the way that you talked about gray area and like nothing in life is perfect. Like that's, I mean that's one of the tenets of like you know what. It, all the, the, the Buddhishness and like the, all that stuff like really connected with me and specifically like those conversations with, uh, Rain Wilson, like the, um, on whatever those videos yeah. were on YouTube. I watched those actually like back during a pretty difficult time for me when I first quit drinking, I was watching those videos and watching Ghostbusters like very religiously. And it was a huge like part of like galvanizing and catalyzing like this creativity in me. And like, it, it really inspired me. And and obviously it's just, it's really cool that you're able to talk about your relationship with him and like analyze it in that very honest way. Cause it's, it's not perfect. Life isn't perfect. There's, there's pain and suffering and difficulty, but like your approach and, and viewpoint is, is very refreshing in this book. So thank you for writing it thank from you. me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was so much a part of who he was, you know, and and even though he was known for comedy, he was a deep thinker. Um, he really wrestled with, you know, sort of the big ideas and philosophy and psychology and spirituality. And that was always a part of, of our relationship and, and of his parenting. Um, so he didn't he didn't hold anything back either, for better or worse. And and that sort of, you know, gave me permission to um to really embrace the good and the bad and you know we're not like you said nobody's perfect we all make mistakes and screw up and the most important thing is to try to learn from it and if you can't talk about it and look at it then you're probably not going to learn very much yeah and if you could laugh about it that's like the best thing ever or know someone who who will make you laugh through it yeah which is yeah that's what we do for each other once a week at least we try (laughs) yeah we just sit here (laughs) to deal with our pain (laughs) and we buy toys yeah yeah. um do you think you would have written some version of this book if um if he hadn't passed uh kind of you know at a at an earlier age than expected I mean, I I do. We had talked about writing a book together about parenting, right? Um, yes. Existential parenting, which yes. was sort of our little catchphrase. Yes, I love um, the title and, for that. Yeah, it was very um, funny. And and we did always talk about stuff, and we had all you know sort of been in therapy 
independently and together at different points throughout my life. And so, you know, I think he, he taught me that there was real value in sort of sharing your experiences. Um, and so, you know, it would have been a very different book, obviously. Um, but I tried as much as I could to include his voice um, through these interviews and videos and conversations that we had because he just was such a wise person and <clears throat> so generous with his knowledge. And um, so I, you know, I hope that it, it captures some of that. Um, and obviously it, it would have been a thousand times better. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think what what I love is that as a fan of Harold's and as a fan of Ghostbusters and all the movies, uh, he was in and everything he was involved with. And now as a fan of yours, we, it's true. Our exposure, because the internet, obviously the internet's been around since like 1998. There are interviews and talks with, with Harold Ramis that you can watch and view on YouTube. But from the original Ghostbusters cast, it felt like he was more private and maybe made himself less accessible and that's probably a good thing because I don't think it's any, no matter if you're a creator or an artist, like it, it's not your obligation to go out and, and like reach out to the fans and, and like, you know, what, whatever that is, like you see a lot of people doing conventions and things like that. But uh, we see Dan Aykroyd, he's, he's everywhere all the time. And Ernie Hudson's really close with the fans. But um, I think the general consensus was like, Egon was every kind of everybody's favorite Ghostbuster. And your book and reading through it allowed me to connect with Harold Ramis through your story in a way that just would have never happened otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. And I, I did um, feel like, you know, a lot of people knew him as Egon, but they didn't know the other side of him. Um, and so I felt like I was sort of in a unique position to be able to give that to people. Um, I, I'm not sure that he was, um, you know, less out there because he chose to be private. I mean, I think writers um, are not celebrated in the way that other um, people in entertainment are. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I love that he was your favorite Ghostbuster. But, you know, with Dan and Bill, I mean, they have really big personalities. And he just from very early on in his career realized that he wasn't going to be the guy, you know, sort of jumping into everyone's face <laughs> so, and, you know, being, being center stage, he was more comfortable sort of on the side, but not because he was private, but just because he knew that, you know, going back to second city, he wasn't trying to compete with John Belushi. Right. Um, and then right. later, you know, I think he and Bill really complimented each other in that way. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a classic, you know, sort of buddy, paradigm right. but um mm -hmm. it, it wasn't that he didn't want to be out there i mean he loved it um <laughs> i think you know he just unfortunately maybe wasn't as well known or as appreciated um at the time it's funny when you mentioned the big personalities because i was thinking we were talking about the uh the comedy center opening and uh there's the video of of dan dan Aykroyd showing up on the harley with like, yeah, uh, yeah. Which <laughs> I watched it like five times because we we love Dan Aykroyd, but yes, it's like but yeah. he shows up and he's like immediately like singing with the the house band, and it's just like, uh, yeah, those are yes. How do you, you compete huge with huge personalities to compete with? Right? Yeah. Right. So um, yeah, but, you don't. You don't. <laughs> um, what was um? Obviously, you talk a lot in the book about you know, different people being around, whether it be, you know, Bill Murray or Gilda Radner or yes. um, which Abby. I very much appreciated that picture of Gilda Radner holding you as a baby. I was like, oh my yeah. God, she's been all like. The, all of those pictures are amazing. Yes. Like that's one of the, that's one, that's such a cool thing about the book is just like looking at all these personal photos, yes. you know, of, of, of just you and, and Harold and just and like, like icons, you know, people all that the random at. people just hanging out. And I'm like, this, <laughs> yes. it's just so cool to, you don't get to see like that kind of stuff very often. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, very special. Very yeah, personal. I mean, it was definitely sort of a thanks. I mean, that's all thanks to my mom. She was, you know, an obsessive photographer and documenter. <laughs> and so yeah. there were thousands and thousands more that, that didn't make it in. Um, yeah. You could probably put out a companion. Try to figure out a way to get them out there. You could put yeah. out like a companion picture book and probably, you know, 
double your sales. I'm just yeah. from from that perspective. <laughs> Sell them as a lot. eBay, Jake will buy them. But um, what I noticed, obviously, uh, Dan and um, Dan Aykroyd and, and your dad had a uh, a working relationship. Were they um were they hanging out a lot outside of uh, their times? You know, working on projects together because it didn't seem like um, his name came up as much, especially. Uh, kind of like throughout the '90s and 2000s. Yeah, I mean, he he certainly made appearances from time to time, but I think you know I'm not exactly sure. You know, I think he's up in Canada. I don't know. We're in New York, and we were in Los Angeles. Well, we, don't, so, we don't know where Dan um, Aykroyd is. I don't. Dan Aykroyd doesn't. He's a rambling man. He's on the mothership. Um, yeah, but they definitely talked and had you know, so much love and affection for each other. Um, and, you know, I think maybe socially it wasn't as much overlap, but certainly no lack of love. Right. right. That's cool. That's really cool to hear. Um, so before the book came out, there was a couple of articles that were released that kind of touched on, I think it's it's fortunate and unfortunate. I mean, the 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 famed Bill Murray feud is something that has yeah. kind of become like folklore, especially especially around these parts in our in our household. Uh, it's definitely something we've talked about a lot. Um, but even if you separate yourself from the fandom and just look at the story of like two people who intersected with each other on an artistic level and a level of friendship for these like really important moments in each other's lives to have a falling out you wonder, you know, we've always wondered like maybe what happened and, and you were able to shed some light on that and then some news outlets kind of picked up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything really more to say? Uh, you know, you kind of laid it out in the book that there's there's still some mystery there and maybe the two of them are, you know, the gatekeepers. Hate to use that pun. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, we all, we all were happy to hear that Bill came reached around out, yeah. and, and reached out. And that, yeah. Um, but yeah. Bill always seems like kind of a difficult guy that he's just kind of hard to read that, uh, I don't well, know. Yeah. I mean, I think part of what draws people to him is that he's totally unpredictable. Um, so you never know what you're going to get and, you know, that cuts both ways. Um, yeah. and you know, I think just like you said, um, no matter what happened between them personally, I mean, they did share many years of friendship and they created so much amazing, wonderful work together. Um, and that will always be there um, as a testament to to their camaraderie and their creativity and their bond. So I think the personal stuff, I mean, people are complicated mm-hmm. and, and it's okay. And sometimes you need to um, take a step back and, and get some distance from these close relationships and you know what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah. yeah and I think as human beings we can all relate to that we've all had friendships that were that have gone sour for one reason or another and it's sometimes it's just people grow apart and, and things like that yeah. um, I always kind of had a theory that maybe there was some envy on on the part of Bill Murray uh, because there's been little hints and things and in interviews over over time where he's talked about wanting to write and wanting to create but not doing it and I don't know what what yeah. your dad was so prolific I mean when you talk about the five or six greatest comedies of all time it's like Harold Ramis Harold yeah. Ramis Harold Ramis so yeah. um, <laughs> and not just from acting obviously like you know writing and directing and and yeah. Um, I don't know. That that's my little It's almost theory. like that grass is always greener kind of thing because it sounds like from what we were saying, you know, if if Harold Ramis wasn't in the spotlight as much, he was behind the scenes like orchestrating the scene and giving the lines and like creating everything. So right. it's almost like if you're on the flip side of that, I don't know, do you want that more? Maybe there was Maybe something like that. You never know. Yeah, who knows? And and I think, you know, like like you said in in these long-term relationships, sometimes you get you know, stuck in your roles and maybe you don't want to be that anymore. And it's hard to do when you're still with that person that's, you know, playing the other part. So who knows? I I mean, maybe one day you can ask him. (laughs) Well, we'd love to. I've been trying to get to the bottom (laughs) of this. We, um, we saw, we, I, I had the chance to talk to Richard Dreyfuss for a few minutes at a convention and him and Bill Murray famously just did not get along on the set of what about Bob. And, um, 
his mm. quote to me. And what about Bob's one of my favorite movies of all Same time? Same here. And I asked, I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, I heard some rumors, but I, I love the movie. So I thank you for putting up with Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss looked at me and said, Oh, I didn't put up with him. And he basically <laughs> went on to tell me about how big of a pain in the ass he was, but you know what? Oh, wow. <laughs> Hey, those are Richard Dreyfuss's words, hey, not mine. Yeah, <laughs> true, it's true. So, but anyways, blame uh, Richard. Yeah, blame <laughs> Richard. Um, so, the book's out. You're doing these appearances. How do you, as an as an artist, because we we've um, all three of us have have participated in artistic creation in some form or another over over the years. And when you put so much work into something, obviously you spent years on the book and it's finally out. What do you do with that, that energy that's put into it? Because I know for me personally, it's really hard. I, I, there's been times where I've worked on a project for a really long time. It's completed. It's successful. You get praised for it, but I still don't know what to do like with myself. Have you had to deal with any of that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, Will you be Craig's therapist right now? And yeah. yeah. Um, how are you doing it? How are you? Yeah, exactly. How did you do it? How did you do it? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cooking a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm baking up a storm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm still sort of, it's not quite in the middle of it, but um, I'm still sort of focused on just finishing out this year, I guess, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, devoted to getting the book out there as much as possible. And then, you know, I really don't know. I mean, the hard thing is, because it is such a personal story and it is um, connected to this part of me that is never going to go away. I mean, I don't know that I will ever fully move on and leave it behind, but I'm sure there will come a time when I'm ready to uh, to stop talking about it. Right. Um, <laughs> but I'm not there yet, so... I will, I will worry about that when the time comes. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, did you, obviously you talked about in the book how you had talked about writing a book eventually. How long after, you know, his passing, did you say, okay, this has to happen. This is how I'm going to start, you know, processing the grief, as you mentioned earlier. Right after he, I mean, the day he died, I started getting messages from people um, just telling me, you know, how much he meant to them and, you know, that the best memories of their childhood were associated with him and that, you know, his work got them through these really hard times in their life. And so, you know, that was really comforting and moving to me. Um, and, you know, I was so um, worried about forgetting him. And forgetting anything having to do with him so i just started writing down every memory that i could think of um for the, for the few months right after he passed um just words here and there oh yeah the christmas tree story or you know um this is that and you know slowly i sort of went back and, and expanded things and initially i just thought oh well this is something that my kids will enjoy later or my brothers might appreciate um but then you know the support of 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 his fans and and colleagues um, sort of uh, coalesced with this this thing that I was doing, and I just realized, oh well, maybe I should share this a little more widely because I feel like I could give people um, something to sort of um, help them with their sense of loss that they were yeah. going through since they had helped me. So it it was a pretty natural progression, um, and yeah, I mean it 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 seemed like a long time but i think it was pretty fast in the in the world of how much time it could have taken yeah Yeah. that's very cool that you're able to like transfer out um you know and and it sounds very therapeutic to like to record those stories and especially if they were initially just for your family but to realize that there's like a a greater world of people that also will benefit from hearing that and it yeah yeah, there's there's so many touching stories and so many things in there that you could that i personally was able to take it's that's just really that's a very cool way to get some like positive closure on those kind of things yeah and and it's really special too because i've kind of alluded to it a couple times because especially like the way uh news is reported these days and the way that everybody's kind of under a spotlight when when he passed because the choice was made by by 
your you and your family to uh uh it was more of a private thing and like he had been obviously been sick for a couple of years it hit majority of people uh like oh my gosh this was out of this is completely out of nowhere um do you think and you talked about it a little bit in the book do you think i don't know i don't even really know how to ask the question but <laughs> Because it was so private and then it became like overnight, like everywhere, then you mentioned being able to like go onto social media, look up the hashtags, look take up the images and take comfort. Mm-hmm. But I guess that it, w- it was kind of a shock for, for all of the fans. So I guess I just am trying to express my deepest sympathies because uh, it's just it was it was a, a bummer on the highest level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no good way to die. Right. <laughs> um, it's it's it is painful. It even after four years of illness, I mean, it was still a shock to me. So right. I, I can only imagine how much more for people who, right. who didn't know that he'd been sick. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, sort of going back to what you were talking about earlier. I mean, yeah, it it was four years. So I, I don't know what everyone thought he was he was doing in that time but um it was hard to not talk about it then because um i knew that that people would have wanted to share their support and their love for him while he was yeah yeah it would have definitely been it would have been the same outpouring that that was there um anyways because there was i mean i know that i was uh definitely taken aback um but yeah I did want to bring up one of my favorite anecdote, anecdotes in the book was the Cheesecake Factory incident. Um, <laughs> it it really made me laugh. And uh, no spoilers, but there there was an incident at a Cheesecake Factory where uh, you guys were waiting, and he got frustrated because you know he's like, "I directed Caddyshack, damn it! You know, give me where's my seat?" Um, and I, but it, it was such a human thing to relate to because I was like. I've gotten mad at Cheesecake Factory waiting for a table because <laughs> for some reason that place is so busy all the time. Um, but those those kinds of moments from the book, like those kinds of connections are so special. And like the fact that you shared them in there, th- those are the things like, yeah, it's cool to hear about the movies. It's cool to hear about being on set and, you know, Bill Murray and hanging Chandler. out with PJ Souls and Bill yeah, hanging out with PJ Souls. <laughs> yeah. That that stuff's great, but those those human moments are, are are why I would recommend this book to anybody who is um, either a fan of Harold's work or just wants. I'm always interested in in learning about um, getting that peek inside of somebody's life that that is in the spotlight because uh, everything you see is not all you know. We're we're all human beings. We're all just yeah. living life. Yeah, <clears throat> especially for someone yeah. like. Sorry, uh, especially especially for someone like him or, or, you know, for like when you're fans of somebody like that for so long, like we've been, you know, following his work or watching Ghostbusters, like literally since we were babies. And when that's all you know of somebody and then finally you like you always wonder like what people are like in real life. And, you, and you're like, I bet he's probably a cool guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then to, and then to read the book and, and basically get his entire life. It's just like, he was a cool guy. Like, it's, it's, it's very, it's very cool. I was right. Just, I was right the whole time. It's just very cool to like, finally, I don't know. It's almost like you get to know him a little better, you yeah. know, like obviously we don't know him, but that's, that's the closest it can be for us. And it's very cool to, to, you know, like, you see all the times when you know you were just talking about Craig, like when when it when it became public when he passed, and you know like we we live in a world now where like every time a celebrity passes, it's on it's immediately on Facebook, and everybody's like posting about it, and it, and it's a it's a constant thing. And I remember like when it happened with Harold, like, that was the first time that I was ever like. Oh my God. Like, it was the first time it was like ever really affected me, you know, and I, and all of us, it was a big deal. So like getting to read the book and just learn and see those pictures and just like, exactly like the cheesecake factory thing. It's amazing. Like it just yeah. feels good. That and the, um, anytime you were describing an interaction with, with him and one of your, your boyfriends at whatever stage of life, um, I, I loved it because like, I know how my parents were with, with my significant others. Yep. And, 
Uh, it's such mm-hmm. a relatable thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I brought home a lot of tattooed dudes. And yes, I had some tumultuous <laughs> teenage years. I was like, this was hitting home with me on so many levels. So, yes, understand. Yeah, I mean, because we all go through it. And, and as great of a guy as he was, I mean, he certainly had his... Uh, his moments <laughs> um mm-hmm. cheesecake factory being one of them and you know some people have have called the book a love letter yeah yeah yeah. And, yeah you know in some ways it is but i think what really makes you love someone is seeing all the sides of them and mm-hmm. even yep. the, the not pretty sides yeah um, and realizing okay well that was a very unfortunate <laughs> yeah. example of, of who you are but i've had you know, a very strong reaction again. <laughs> right right yeah mm-hmm. love you Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I'm glad. But embracing all those facets and accepting them for what they are, like, yeah, that's that's part of life, and it's it's good and healthy to do that. So. I remember a couple of years yeah. ago when um, George Carlin's daughter released a book. Um, yeah. And there was all it was the same kind of thing. The news cycle they try to kind of pick up on the more like salacious uh, stories, and like the ones in that book were like you know, cocaine fueled fights with, with steak knives and just crazy stuff. Um, (laughs) nothing like, but, um, was that, was, and I know she's on the, I think she's on the same advisory board. Um, were you able to connect with her or anybody else that was, yeah, I want to kind of learn about that. I I first met her, um, three years ago when I went up to Jamestown for the groundbreaking and her book was just coming out then. Um, and so, I mean, she is, wonderful person and so generous and um, just really really lovely and it sort of um you know it felt like it gave me permission um to do this actually melissa rivers was also there and she had written a book about john rivers and so i just thought oh okay mm-hmm. this is something that people do and it's okay because there was some hesitation like i don't you know i'm i'm not trying to like capitalize off of his memory or you know sort of ride his coattails or whatever it is you know i just really wanted to um like i said to share him and my experience with him um and so talking to kelly about her experience was very validating for me yeah mm-hmm. she's great yeah yeah that's that's really cool and and similar in in ways that i mean from in the stand-up world george carlin is you know arguably an innovator, an innovator and the greatest mm-hmm. of all time. And like, and, and it's funny when Jake mentioned earlier, like watching these movies since we were babies, when, um, like when I, like I was born in 1984 and I was given a movie education by my dad at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And like at three years old, I was like watching and memorizing stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Got <laughs> which is and, and, uh, that's unusual. Yeah, well, my, I, I should write a book. Of, yeah, I should write a book about my dad. Yeah, uh, it'll just be called yeah. Podcaster's Daughter or Son, whatever. Son. I am. Oh, it's whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but um, but when we a couple years ago when we were out uh, west for the um, for some of the Ghostbusters events before the new movie came out, um, I had a chance to interact with Ivan Reitman, and I told him that. And he had a funny anecdote about how a lot of people in your age bracket tell me that Stripes was one of the more impressionable movies. And he's like, but you don't realize it. It's the first time you saw a naked woman that wasn't your mom. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you're probably right. Yeah. And then, then I called my dad. I'm like, "What's going on?" I was I was four years old. Calm down. Um, um, but but you start your Exactly. Exactly. But it's interesting because you know when you're when you're taking in these films as a as a kid, uh, it's one thing. But like, I remember pretty vividly when it dawns on you at like at, at whatever at ten or eleven or twelve years old when you when you start realizing what a director is like you're you know you just watch movies as a kid and then we start thinking oh there's a writer and there's a director and you're like wait a minute yeah harold ramus egon yes directed vacation <laughs> yeah like what and, but, my, but as a 12 year old i was like why wasn't he what? in it why didn't he put himself in it so um yeah so i mean those are some of the more fond movie going and, and movie watching experiences of my lifetime have been uh directly related to uh to your dad so yeah it's, same uh, same and same it's it's special on a level that i can't uh possibly explain 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're trying. We're not. We're we're not going to reboot <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> um, they tried their best. It's hard. What uh, in general? I know you mentioned the um, the Ghostbusters stuff earlier, and it, it you know there's no reason to really. We all know what happened there. It was it was pretty bad. Um, as far as like people tackling and remaking properties. Um, that are so closely tied to you and your family. Do you have any general feelings on that, or um, do you just kind of have to go by what maybe you think your uh, your dad would have thought? I mean, sure. I mean, we all have feelings about everything. I mean, but I'm I, I don't feel like you know any of this is sacred. I mean, it's comedy. It's art. It's right. it's meant to. Um, spark more creativity and conversation and then I just feel like you know yes there's sort of a, maybe a downside to just rebooting the same ideas over and over, over again and, over, right. and not mm-hmm. into new territory I get that too um, and some of them are certainly less creative than others um, but I just I do feel like it's all fair game right. and um, he wasn't precious about things or or territorial, he was, you know, he really got his third and second city, and and that taught him how to be, a, how to be generous. The whole point is, you know, make the other guy look good, and mm-hmm. so that's what he was really great at doing. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, the uh, just film in general, his as a medium, has only been out for like I don't know, a hundred years or something. So it, it's it's all going to get remade and twisted and rebooted eventually. So we're we're just starting <laughs> to see it you know, more yeah. now. Mm-hmm. If anything, you know, if anything from people who hadn't seen the original, maybe it will, you know, open their eyes or they can see the new movie and go back and watch, you know, the old, the good one. movies. So <laughs> the good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the point is there's there's enough to go around for everybody. Yeah, you know, one yeah. one one story told doesn't mean that no one else can tell it again. I mean, even with this book, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just my perspective. Like, right. if another person in my family wants to make their own project and tell their story, great. Like, right. it's not, you know, it's not a zero sum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, one, but before we, you know, kind of get wrapping up here, I did want to talk about. Uh, what, the family unit presented in this movie, in this movie, in this book. Um, <laughs> oh, well, maybe it'll be a movie. Did you sell the rights to the book, to the movie? Um, I feel like it's so, it's such a good time to be reading about the the non-perfect family unit and the, the you know, different kids from different parents and obviously all the stuff you go into um, with um, with finding out that you had a sister that you didn't know about and all of that, like, uh, you know, when you see the headline, it's like, Oh my God, this is shocking. But then if you like look to your left and to your right, yeah, and to anybody that you any know, other human being, it's like, yeah, everyone's it, life is messy. And yeah, everybody, stuff like, this yeah. is stuff that so many people can relate to. And I just, again, want to tell you how much I appreciate it because like, we all have, you know, things along those lines that one of my, I'm sure this is something that people go through and they talk about in therapy, but like the, Hiding everything and stuffing everything away is just—it's just the worst thing that you can do. It's poisonous it's yeah. because it, it comes out eventually. Like eventually, you're going to have to deal well, with these emotions, and it just creates all this shame, mm-hmm. and yeah. and that doesn't help anything. I mean, it's hard enough as it is to deal with things in an open and honest way. Um, so to like sort of bury it and and think that you can avoid that, you know, I mean, how much extra pain does that? cause Absolutely. um so yeah i mean again he was a great example of like oh okay there's this thing and you know it's big and we're gonna get through it together and yeah. um and i think that that really should be um, a lesson for everyone or certainly can be if, if yeah they yeah um, there's definitely like a, a lot of hope in the in the book and yeah in the just the real storytelling of what happened you know with your family it's like it provides the fact that things can work out like if you're honest and, and authentic with each other like you can get through some really difficult things yeah. and that's without going into to too much detail because I, I do want all of our listeners to go and if you haven't read the book go read the book um but there's there's a couple like bullet point moments where it's like whoa 
this is like as heavy as heavy can get. And to see how you dealt with it and how your family dealt with it and how your dad dealt with it. Um, it's like eye opening and I think really inspirational. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we really appreciate your time. We're going to get wrapped up here. I did want to tell you, I have, um, I've always felt a close connection, uh, you know, with the gang, Bill Murray being from Chicago, I'm from, I'm from the Chicago area. I was actually born in Highland okay. Park hospital. Um, so oh, wow. yeah. So my, my whole family is in Highland Park, Deerfield, Buffalo Grove. So, um, I've always felt a little oh. bit of, cause the, there's the part of the book where the move from, from the, the glitz of Hollywood LA, into, yeah, to, to the North shore. And I was like, I know this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which it, it is like complete. That's like culture shock. It's a completely different, uh, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed yeah. reading about that. Um, did, um, do you have any favorite mementos or, or things, uh, whether personal effects or things from movies that, that have you've ended up in your possession that, um, that you'd feel free sharing with us, not sharing, not giving to us. <laughs> well, you if you want to, just, just things that, that you have, um, that you think, uh, might be kind of cool i do i mean he yeah he was um he was kind of a crafty person strangely um so he got into like knot tying for a while yeah and um made a bunch of keychains with this sort of monkey fist knot so i i have one of those that oh, i that's, carry around that's with me cool. everywhere. That's cool, yeah 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 i, yeah. I know that um, and then yeah. when we yeah exactly when we went to um, France, we visited the Bayou Tapestry, and he then embroidered a pillow <laughs> um, oh, wow. with part of the tapestry on it. And I have that. And then, of course, you know the golden slinky, yeah, um, oh, yes. that somebody <laughs> sent to him, you know, after Ghostbusters yeah. too, um, you know, which I love, and no child in my house is ever allowed to touch it. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have that behind. They'll try and straighten it. Can't have that. Exactly. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, I did. I guess we should touch on this. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Um, there was different versions of, of Ghostbusters 3 being developed for a long time. And I guess right around the time that, that Harold got sick, he was actively working on a script with um, Gene and Lee, um, Lee Eisenberg yeah. and Gene Stupinski. Um was do you think he was passionate about that, or was it just something? Because there's a there's a famous interview I've watched it many times. Which the best quote uh, it's a Harold Ramis quote, and he says uh, something along the lines of like uh, the world will be fine if there's not a Ghostbusters three. Like everybody will be okay, <laughs> um, which helped me deal with it for a long time because I, I I was one of the people like you know for, searching it every day every day Ghostbusters three news. Um, do do you think that that was something he was was going to give his all on or was it just an opportunity presented and and he thought it would be fun to kind of get the old gang back together? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was so passionate about it or felt like it needed to happen. I think, you know, part of that may have been, you know, that you can't really recapture like, you know, um, what the first film was. I mean, Ghostbusters 2 is great. Um, I, I would be amazed if somebody argued that it was greater than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, so I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, I think he would have happily done it um, had had everything come together in the way that it needed to. Um, but it didn't, and so he was he was fine with it. Yeah. Um, he was really, you know, so proud of what they had had created, um, and and I think it was a really joyful experience back then, and he. Um, was lucky enough to to have that on most of his projects, so I think he wasn't one to try to force something that that wasn't fitting. Right. No, that and that makes perfect sense. That's good to hear. Yeah, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Um, yeah. Well, we really appreciate your time. I feel like we just yeah, barely thanks. scratched the surface. We didn't even get into Groundhog Day, <laughs> which has become like. <laughs> Just yeah. universally accepted as one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, like Barack Obama's favorite movie. So yeah. it's like kind of, yeah, it's up there. Um, but maybe we can uh, catch up down the road and, and do this again and and, yeah. and see, uh, you know, see see what you're up to and, and, and where, uh, where this journey is taking you. Because I'm assuming there's more books uh, being planned. Um, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He will be one of the first to know yeah okay cool cool Cool. i'll just 
I'll call you like every day. Yeah, so we'll just call you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Search it every day. Yeah, every day. That's that's what I do. I latch on to something and I just, every single day, I just check on it. Um, well, listen, the hey, book. We're best friends now. We're best friends and this is good. There we go. Um, the book is called Ghostbusters Daughter. Um, oh, last thing. Did you have any alternative titles uh, that you were going for? Or was that something that you settled on pretty early on? That was the that was sort of my working title, and part of it was because I um, had written like a little parody song to Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh right, yes. Um, and so that just you know was sort of a, my own funny joke. And then um, you know when the publishers got involved, they they liked it, and I was like, oh okay, it's not exactly what I you know imagined, but sure, yeah. Let's, let's right, go with that. right. You, you bring like this long, like you spend like months and you have this long list of titles, and... and they're like, "No, we'll just go with Ghostbusters' daughter because yeah. because that's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. too." Um, uh, but I will say, when you when you go into Barnes and Noble, like it, it pops the 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 book cover, the color, like yeah. uh, everything yeah. about it, it's it stands out. So, and it's a wonderful book, and and we very much appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It was yeah. really great talking to you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for writing. All right, we'll cool. catch Thank up you. later. Thank you very much. Yeah. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Right. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.